The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray and I talk all about Monday Night Raw. And like we usually do on a Tuesday, there's some good and oh yeah, there's some bad. We'll break it down right here on the Busted Open Podcast. Also, we just heard there is going to be a third season of Dark Side of the Ring on Vice. We have executive producer Evan Husney join us. All that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. I've decided that I'm going to lay out for the first segment of the show today and just let you do whatever it is that you do when talking about Monday Night Raw. You know what, Bully? I was actually going to try to go another way this morning because, like, everybody was tweeting about, like, oh, look, there's going to be a LaGreca rant to start busted open tomorrow, and he is going to freak out. He's going to be yelling and screaming. I I I gotta admit, Bully, I was uh, highly entertained uh, by the show last night. I mean, I I loved the retribution segment. It gave me time to you know kind of do a little research on some of the greatest jobbers and enhancement talent in the history of pro wrestling. I had fun, you know, tweeting out pictures of Mario Mancini and the Mulkey brothers and Frankie Williams. And that was, I had a lot of fun doing that. Um, I had a lot of fun, like, you know, listening to Mustafa Ali talk about retribution and, you know, hey, I got kind of inspired by him talking about how, you know, he didn't get an opportunity and all these great talents behind him never got an opportunity. I felt that the promo was well-placed, him saying about that there's a lot of great talent behind him after they just tapped out in a match and then got completely devoured by The Fiend. I thought that was extremely well-placed promo. And then I also loved hearing Mustafa Ali talk about how these people need to be heard and seen as, you know, he hogs the microphone, never lets them speak, and they wear masks so i thought that was a an excellent promo this to describe retribution i love how the wwe is doing amazing storytelling like getting you to you know root for the good guys and boo the bad guys when there's the fiend the hurt business and retribution all in the ring at the same time i thought that was fantastic as well Bully, I mean, we talked about for days and days about how you were looking forward to Asuka and Lana. And I said, boy, you know, could they fool us here? And you did a great job, Bully, as you always do, saying, hey, you know what? The way the WWE is going right now, maybe they piss off their fans by having, you know, Lana beat Asuka. Imagine if that was to take place. And I said, I didn't think that was going to happen. You know, Natalia, who just broke her friendship with Lana, might interfere in that match. And 
you know, they completely swerved us. They gave us a two-and-a-half-minute sloppy match where um, Lana actually started tapping out to the Oscar lock before Oscar even got the Oscar lock on. I thought that was fantastic and really showed a lot of how good, you know, those in-ring abilities could be, you know, when you're live on primetime TV on Monday nights. Um, also, Elias came back and I thought that was fantastic as well. He's in case you didn't know, bully Elias is back being a bad guy again and hating the fans. It's funny because you don't really know what Elias you're going to get. Cause at times he's been good at times he's been bad. Um, but now he's a bad guy. So that's quite interesting as well. So yeah, I mean, uh, I don't understand where you're coming from. Oh, oh, also, too, we got, uh, you know, we talked a lot about last, you know, we we're excited about what we we're going to see with Braun Strowman and Keith Lee because, hey, after what we've been seeing the last couple of weeks, especially last week, maybe we might get a rejuvenated Keith Lee because, Bully, you talked about since moving from NXT that, you know, we haven't really gotten the Keith Lee that we saw in NXT. So I was interested to see how Braun Strowman was going to follow up from that loss and how Keith Lee can kind of get back to his days from NXT. And what we got was a nicely uh, three-and-a-half-minute match between those two. And there was a low blow, kind of similar to the low blow that we saw from Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns just a few days ago on SmackDown. So I thought what we saw last night was extremely original and, again, you know, maybe we're seeing a little bit with Keith Lee getting angry and low-blowing uh, Braun Strowman that, you know, kick but squarely between the legs when Braun Strowman, I think, inadvertently gave a low blow to Keith Lee. So, I mean, I don't understand, Bully. I mean, you're saying that they're, I'm going to rant and rave and, and be negative, but there was a lot to be entertained by from Monday Night Raw. Oh, so you, you've changed your tune then, because before the show you were hating on it. Now you, you've pointed out several reasons why you've loved it. <laughs> well, I, I'm being quite sarcastic, but... Um, there, there were a few things. I have a list of a few things that I thought were there. There are definitely some positive, but honestly, bully. And I think you can tell by the tone of my voice, there's a lot of things on Monday Night Raw that just continually make absolutely no sense. Uh, bully, I, I don't know where, where you want to start. So I'll let you, we'll spin the wheel, make a deal. Um, where would you like to start from Monday Night Raw last night? I really don't care where you start. You can start anywhere you want. But what I thought was interesting this morning before the show came on the air is um, I was concerned about the same old, same old discussion that me and you would have about Raw because there were several things that just did not make sense. And one of the things that really stuck out to me was the horrible placement of the Ali and Retribution promo. I thought Ali did a great job with the promo. I think Ali looked cool. I thought he looked like a devious dude that could have been <clears throat> the hacker and could be the leader of Retribution. I thought he did a great job with his verbiage. So I tried to extract some of the positive out of there. But the placement of that promo was just atrocious. Because, as you said... Retribution just got destroyed in so many ways, shapes, and forms within, you know, uh, the, the, the two times we had seen them on our screen already or, you know, getting destroyed by the Hurt Business, getting destroyed by The Fiend, and then they're standing there like big, bad, imposing figures. 
One of the things about the whole retribution thing that I absolutely despise is they're basically wearing face masks and getting hit in the head uh, while wearing face masks. It reminds me of D'Lo Brown with the chest protector, where it just it doesn't make sense. Okay, if Bobby Lashley, as tough as he is, as Shel- uh, as if Shelton Benjamin, as tough as he is, MVP is punching these guys in the head with these face masks, on, they're going to break their hands. Uh, it throws logic way out the window, and it doesn't give anybody an opportunity to make sense of it. Um, So before we came on, I was listening to you and Gabby banter about a lot of different things. And I thought it'd be interesting this morning to get a different person's perspective on everything, a a brutal honesty. So obviously, I want to talk to the nation. I'm sure you do, too. Sent out a tweet. If you liked Monday Night Raw, please call in and let us know why. Because obviously, from everything that you just said, you despised it. And there's a couple of other things. Go ahead. No, no, and, but I will say this, and, and, and Ed Robinson, our producer, mentioned this as well. When you have a three-hour show, it, it, it goes both ways. It's almost impossible to like everything in a three-hour show, but you know what? It's almost impossible to hate everything. I, I got to admit, Bully, there were a few things that I really did like. I mean, and, and I want so to get tell to me, those. Tell me the number one thing. Alexa Bliss and The Fiend. Okay. I, I, like I, I, I really think that in the world, not so much the world of the WWE. Let's just keep it to Raw because I think everybody would agree that NXT is a very good show, and SmackDown has been extremely well done over the last couple months. So I'm going to stick this. I'm not going to say WWE. I'm just going to say Monday Night Raw. When you, it seems like when you get excited about something for Monday Night Raw, you're going to get disappointed. So. Honestly, you probably should not get excited about it because when you get excited about it, you're going to be disappointed. Raw is at its best when things just kind of fall into your lap. You know, Alexa Bliss and The Fiend, I think right now on Raw, unexpectedly has become the most must-watch thing on Raw without a doubt. And And I think a lot of it has to do with Alexa Bliss. Her facial expressions, or lack thereof, I think has just been a grand slam. You've mentioned it. So when you look at positives, I think with with the, the on the top of the list, bully, it's Alexa Bliss and and, and the fiend. I would totally agree. Um, starting from last week, when I saw that moment in time with the double sister Abigails, I like what I saw this week. I like the way they opened up Raw. I loved uh, last night they had as memorable of a shot to open up the show as they did when The Fiend and Alexa were staring into each other's eyes before they hit the double finishes. I loved Alexa looking deadpan into the hard camera. I loved The Fiend standing right behind her, hitting the the Raven Dreamer pose. That right there says so much. Yes, I loved everything else they did. Yes, I loved the Firefly Funhouse with Bray and Alexa. But that moment right there to me tells me everything I need to know about these two. I forget. We were talking about this yesterday a little bit off the air. Um, I forget 
this lady's name, but she was one of uh, Charles Manson's uh, disciples or family members or followers. And she uttered in an interview that he's in everybody or he's everywhere. And Alexa is taking on the part of this Manson-esque follower. And she does it so well because not only is Alexa a great actor but she's an even better reactor and the way they're playing off each other is gold but on their own they're only going to be able to do so much i want to see some kind of good deep storytelling with these two and who they are going to to go after or be uh be in a, in a storyline or a feud with will be interesting why did they take anything out on the Hurt Business last night? Why did The Fiend go after, not The Hurt Business, I'm sorry. Why did The Fiend go after Retribution last night? I, have, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I really don't. I mean, there, there really is no explanation because I said, you know, the foundation of pro wrestling, Bully, is, you know, bad guy versus good guy. And you have, and, and clearly the commentator said that retribution is a faction and the hurt business is a fact. I mean, let, let's say this, what we thought retribution was going to be is not what it turned out to be. I mean, they, it, it, it kind of turned out to be bully. What I said, it was just going to be a group, a faction of wrestlers within the scope of, of the WWE and that's what the what the retribution is. So every all these crazy ideas that people thought of this, I think you can throw it out the window. Let's just look at what we have right now. But to go back to your question about why the fiend would do that, I don't know because you had the hurt business who are clearly a heel faction. Look what they did to Titus O'Neil last night. You have the fiend and Alexa Bliss which kind of define evil and you know, they, I would think that they're heels. Maybe they go in another direction, but at least for right now. And then you have Retribution that are clearly heels, though. They're weak heels at this point. So I really don't understand that whole opening segment to start Monday Night Raw last night. I am going to stick to my guns about Retribution because creative can change on, on the fly and at any moment. Last night was their opportunity to kind of Tell me why Retribution should be such a feared unit. And based on the physicality of what I saw with the Hurt Business and The Fiend, I don't fear them at all. I thought Ali did a halfway decent job of trying to get them back to any, to any level of credibility. Um, because the WWE writes week to week and does not write backwards the way traditional pro wrestling should be done there's always an opportunity to light another fire under retribution there still can be reveals in this group i know you don't have faith in it i don't i know you don't have <clears throat> haven't had faith in it because of what you saw but because they can do everything that they want to do with the stroke of a pencil this can all turn around i i think there could be different layers to this I, I can't see them just allowing this to fall flat on its face because they've invested entirely too much time for it to just be a faction. Now, everything last night would point to the fact that if the biggest guy in the group is just tapping out to a full Nelson, yeah, they're probably DOA. Yeah. But uh, there's got to be a couple of other levels. There's still room for improvement within Retribution. There's still room to get a decent story out of it. Last night 
Unfortunately, I don't think they capitalized on that room. Hey, everybody, this is Fran Freshella, host of the podcast World of Basketball. The game of basketball has truly become a global game. Markovic fires it into Mickey, and somehow it goes in. Each week, I talk with the players, coaches, and executives who have led the way in growing the game of basketball around the world. Real Madrid has stolen victory from the jaws of defeat. Episodes are available every Thursday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. You want to know what else pissed me off about Raw? Wait, come on. You're supposed to be the positive one today. I Listen, I am positive. I'm not burying it like you did before I the show. I'm not burying it, it like you did sarcastically when we came on. I'm not burying the talent on social media I'm like you did last it. night, calling them jobbers. I'm not doing any of those things. I didn't say jobbers. I, I but the things it. that bother you don't necessarily bother me. I but can the, see past some of this yes. stuff. There are things that happen that, come to me, should not happen because it's not – it doesn't help the product in any way, shape, or form. Are you going to say, well, what they did to Retribution helps them in any way, shape, or form last night? Listen, Retribution will still be here next week, and they'll do whatever the hell that they want to do with them. And who knows? Maybe Bray Wyatt's the leader of Retribution, and everybody is shocked. And then everybody's like, oh, my God, this is the greatest idea in the world. And with one stroke of a pencil, that can happen. But I digress. This is me digressing. You know what else pissed me off last night? What's that? Drew McIntyre conveniently knowing where a pair of bolt cutters were. And they matched the ring. They matched the uh, Hell in a Cell, too. Come on, man. It would have taken you an extra 30 seconds to give this some thought. And all you had to do was, Randy is trying to bait Drew into the cell. Drew can't get in the cell, realizes he can't get in the cell, and then Drew starts to walk away. And while Drew's walking away, Randy's like, that's right, you freaking coward. Walk away. You're the most cowardly WWE champion we've ever had, and I'm going to beat you in the cell. And we see Drew walking away, walking away, walking away, out of the shot, back into the gorilla position. And as Randy keeps going on, burying Drew, here comes Drew back with a pair of bolt cutters. And now we see the reaction on Randy's face. We see Drew walk away to get the bolt cutters, as opposed to the bolt cutters just be conveniently placed there for no reason. Why are there bolt cutters right on the other side of the of the barricades? There is no Th- reason. Things like that, that's what blows. That's why my head explodes. That's why I chose the gif that I did on my tweet this morning of a head exploding. My head is not exploding because of retribution. My head is not exploding for Lana. My head is exploding because there were bolt cutters on the other side of the barricade. My head is exploding because we couldn't give Tucky a win. My head is exploding because Peyton Royce is out there by herself when she shouldn't be. But see, the, the, the things that make your, like you think of scanners, right? Like the things that bother you are different than the things that bother me. And and listen, some of the things that bother you bother me as well. But it here's the thing: you're looking at the at the details, and I get it. And the details don't add up, and they don't make sense. I'm looking at storylines that I have to watch these three fucking hours of the show. You're 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 giving me storylines that are shit. I you want me not- to wait. Let me finish. You're, you're, F you. 
it's okay. You can curse. It's, it's serious. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like we're we're all excited about retribution. What? Who's behind it? Who are the members? Why are they here? And then fucking T-Bar is supposed to be this unbeatable guy. He taps out. Now I get it. I get it, Bully. You're saying that that doesn't make you enhancement talent. You know, if you're if you're tapping out to Bobby Lashley's full full Nelson. Well, who else is tapping out to Bobby Lashley's full Nelson? Nobody else is tapping out to Bobby Lashley's full Nelson. But yet they but you but this but this uh faction that I'm supposed to fear is. And it's the early days. This is only their second match and they're tapping out. And then on top of it, the cherry on top is the fiend comes out and beats the shit out of every single member. And then I gotta listen to Mustafa Ali twenty minutes later, hair perfectly in place after that beatdown that he took earlier. Now I'm supposed to listen and pay attention to what this asshole has to say when he just got his ass kicked twenty minutes earlier? That doesn't make any logical sense. Now I'm not I'm not killing the guys that are in the ring I get it they are doing a tough job they got to somehow make the shit work that they're that some asshole that's getting paid minimum wage putting pen to paper writing out these stories these poor guys have actually got to make this work and they're doing their best and they're trying I get it what makes more logical Ooh. sense having Mustafa Ali cut that promo first and then Retribution losing to the Hurt Business and getting beat down by Bray Wyatt? Or in reverse, does it make sense to have them lose to the Hurt Business, get beat down by Bray Wyatt, and then cut the promo? No, it, makes, it doesn't make any sense at all. Which one makes more sense? <sighs> if you... Neither one makes sense. Which makes more sense? Again, bully. I, you keep asking. You're, you're wanting me to answer a question that's unanswerable. The, the, Bullshit. The, I'm the, giving you two choices. They could have went. And, I'm not changing the creative of last night. I didn't change any segment. I didn't rearrange a finish. I didn't do nothing. All I did was take the order and I flip-flopped them. Which makes more sense? The, what makes more sense is to have the promo first and then have the match after. Bullshit. Why? Because then you've really killed Retribution because the last thing you saw from Retribution is getting beat by the Hurt Business and then getting beat down by Bray Wyatt. Now at least the last thing you saw was the promo. Yeah, but then the pro but the promo is hollow and makes zero sense because of what we just saw on Whether the show. Whether or not it made sense, it's the lesser of the evils. But we would both agree, Bully, that you know you could have still had the Fiend and the Hurt Business and Alexa Bliss. You could have still had that opening segment without retribution i would think that we would both agree the winning solution to all of this would just have retribution cut that promo don't yes. have that match at all just have that promo because bully and again this is why you know whoever the hr person with the wwe should be fired because either that or they don't listen to the show and i know everybody listens to the show because they should be calling you hiring you for creative in the wwe because you actually get people excited for these storylines you because you just said it Dave, you kept saying, I'm bitching and moaning. I'm bitching and moaning all week. I'm bitching and moaning all week about the retribution. Look, Rekka, look, Rekka, look, Rekka, look, Rekka. Listen to me. Let's hear what Mustafa Ali has to say. So I'm like, okay, let me hear what Mustafa Ali has to say. 
if they would have just let me hear what Mustafa Ali had to say. You want to know something? I would be coming on the air today saying, you know what, Bully? I'm, I got to eat a little bit of crow when it comes to retribution because after hearing Mustafa Ali last night, I'm actually excited about where this could possibly go. But by having them in a match, first of all, by having them sign contracts, then having them be drafted, and then having them in a match where they lose and tap out, and then, oh yeah, stand around and get their asses kicked by the fiend Bray Wyatt, all those things tell me that, you know what, retribution storyline is just not going to work. But... Just subtracting that from the equation and giving me just a promo, I'm into it. They would never have the NWO so watch lose. This. Watch this. They would I never have see, the Shield I, lose. I, I want to see if you understand what I'm about to say because you're missing this point of my argument. You ready? Yes. I agree with you. I, I'm going to say it a little slower. I agree with you. What am I doing right now? I'm just trying to make sense of what they did without changing what they did. If the promo happens first, which we can agree on, the promo would have been plenty. I didn't need to see anything else from Ali and Retribution last night. Unless, of course, Retribution would have won, which would have been even better. But, you know, it ain't Christmas and yeah. no present yet. <laughs> okay? All I need to see was the promo. But... Because they did what they did, it's better to have the promo afterwards than it is to have it beforehand. What do people remember, Dave? The last thing that they saw. The last thing we saw from Retribution is all of them standing on their feet, Ali cutting the promo. So there's a glimmer of uh, hope, strength, whatever. At least we see them up and not down. All I'm trying to do is make sense of it. To me, what they did last night, okay, made more sense having the promo air after the beatdown than Drew McIntyre finding a pair of bolt cutters on the other side of the barricade. Or, like you said, Tucker not getting the win last night. Or, why is Peyton Royce in the ring with Lacey Evans just to lose? Why is Ruby Riot and Liv Mo When you want me to cry about the New Day being broken up because they're on different brands, and then the next segment you have Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot who are on SmackDown on Monday Night Raw, I can understand your frustration in the details from last night, Bully. If I'm watching an AEW tag match and you tell me tag teams have a 10 count to get their double teams done, awesome, great, that's your new rules. Don't allow me to count to 47. If Red Shoes is refereeing one of the most oh. prestigious matches in the Tokyo Dome, Okada Omega 1, and they do a spot on the floor, how come he's not counting to 20 as opposed to hanging out on the floor with them for 3 minutes and 27 seconds? Things like that defy all. You're telling me to take everything we know and throw it out the window. Did Drew McIntyre know that Randy Orton was going to bolt the cage closed? So he showed up earlier in the night and conveniently placed the bolt cutters over there. 
Is this looking too much into it? No, because they could have very easily have not done that. Drew could have just walked away, and it would have looked like to Randy Orton that Drew was backing down from him. See, Drew, I got the better of you, you punk-ass coward, you six-foot-five, Irish-Scottish, whatever the hell you are, you beautiful, chiseled, wonderful-looking man. Get out of here. Get out of here. Go to hell. Go screw. Go have a perfect 12 or whatever you and Becky drink together. A proper 12. And call Connor, too. And then he could have got the bolt cutters and came back. Like, am I, what I'm telling you here, is this rocket science? No, it's not. But that's the thing. But that's it. B- Bully, this is what frustrates me. You're a big Star Wars fan. Ed Robinson, a big Star Wars fan. It, it tells you about your character. But you're a big, diehard, hardcore Star Wars fan. When it comes to the de- – it's all about the detail- details with you guys when it comes to Star Wars. It's all about the details. It's all about, well, this 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 Jedi can't be defeated that way because they have this. And that, and that Lando Calrissian disciple can't lose this way because, you know, th- because of that. Like, you know all that stuff. Wrestling fans are like that too. Like, wrestling fans dissect. They watch every detail of the match. Like people say, well, it's entertainment. Oh, it's a- well, entertainment. You can but connect Star- the dots and be here, logical here, in entertainment. Here's a here's a comparison. Star Wars fans have come to know that stormtroopers could not hit the broadside of Dreamer's ass with a taser from ten yards away. It's just one of those things. So when I see that happen, I kind of look at that as retribution. Like the stormtroopers are compared to, to retribution. Ah, it just kind of comes with the territory. Okay, whatever. Yeah. Major plot holes. Like how come when Darth Vader first stands in front of Princess Leia, 10 minutes into episode four, he doesn't know it's his daughter? If he's so freaking force sensitive and a master Sith, he should have known that it was Leia. That's a plot hole I can't get around. Bolt cutters on the other side of the barricade, I can't get around. And, and here's what bothers me. It would take two seconds to th- give it thought. Nobody can tell me a reason, unless they were to tell me, well, uh, the extra 30 seconds wasn't built into the show and timed out. In which case, I would have said, take 30 seconds off of some other segment that didn't mean something and give it to your main event segment. There shouldn't have been bolt cutters on the other side. Bolt cutters on the other side of the ring is, 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 is as unnecessary as those kendo sticks being under there for every single match. Tables and chairs I get. Even, la- even tables, ladders, and chairs I get. Because it's kind of become a staple of props within the wrestling. The, the kendo stick has gotten too far. Agreed. It's been too much for me. Anyway, I, I, I'm getting too far off. The bolt cutters, shit like that bothers me. And I can see around other things because I know, like, retribution, yeah. it can actually be fixed. Yeah, I know. And you, you always said that they could be, again, I, again, taking the loss and tapping out, it, it's hard to wrap my brain around it. Like, if you want to talk about the storyline, but again, like, there was absolutely, there is never going to be any explanation. There is never going to be a, a storyline plot. There is never going to be anything that we're going to see starting next Monday for the rest of the time that's going to explain why they needed to lose in the opening segment of that show last night. Zero. Now you How many go- times? Okay, go ahead. Finish. How please. many times have I told you you were wrong about your take on Retribution? 
None. You never told me I was wrong. You said you gotta wait and see, gotta wait and see, gotta wait and see. And I'm and I'm continuing to to wait and see. And again, you can a promo or something. You can explain it, or there's somehow you can ex, you can explain it somehow, some way. You know, like aces and eights, like aces and eights with you. There there was a way you can explain what you think is a gapping plot hole, completely filled with one or two sentences. But. You can't explain that loss in that match last night. The other thing you cannot explain that's egregious too is why is Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot in the ring last night? You want you on on Friday you had wrestling fans in tears. Ryan McKinnell and Mark Henry on our Saturday show did two hours about the new day, about what are they doing with this breakout, how they got emotional. You have Kofi Kingston in the ring, once and again, trying to tap into that emotion. Behind his right shoulder, you look into the Thunderdome, and there is there is Big E clapping on his guys because they have been separated because Big E was drafted by SmackDown, Kofi and Xavier Woods have been drafted by Monday Night Raw. They have now been separated. They can't be together because they were drafted by other brands. And then in the next segment, you have Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot on your screen in a match. Why? Is it that important to have Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot in the ring? They lost. They're inconsequential in that match. So why was the need to do that? Oh, we didn't have we didn't have enough women it, right now. We're in COVID. We don't have everyone available. We didn't have enough women. Well, then instead of making a fatal four way, make it a triple threat. I have, and I agree with you. I have more of a problem with that than T Bar tapping out to Bobby Lashley's full Nelson. I can buy into that. I can understand why. I can make sense of it. You might not like it, but I can make sense of it. I could tell you why that doesn't make him a jobber. The other things you can't make sense of. Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot. What brand are they drafted to? SmackDown. Why are they on Raw? It's not like you needed a tag match. It's not like, oh, something happened. A couple of the ladies got sick. We have to do whatever we need to do because we're in the world of sports entertainment and we have to be creative. Then card subject to change. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna institute the forty-eight hour rule and we're gonna bring over uh you know Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot. No, you could have just had a three-way a three-way tag, just like you said. Why couldn't we just have a three-way tag? Why did we already have to break the rules of the draft? For nothing. These are these are things to me that merit being unhappy with certain things at certain times. As a fan, if you don't like a retribution storyline, I get that. My crux with you today wasn't about retribution and the storyline. My crux was you're going on social media and you're calling these guys jobbers. I didn't call them. I implied it. You implied that they were jobbers. <laughs> and, I, and I felt that that's a little unfair to younger talent. Now, if you want to say F you creative because you're treating this, these guys like younger talent, then I know you're taking it out on the people who are writing it for these people. That, and I wasn't even hard pointing the finger at you, Dave, because I said, I get it. I know what yeah. you're doing. You're and just I didn't call fun. anyone out you're by name. I you. used retribution. And, and I get it. And I get, I, and I get it. And I get that's it. Why, and that's, how, what I'm, that's why I'm, how I'm trying to tell you, like, 
I'm not coming down. I'm not saying like, how dare you, Dave? You've never taken a bump in you, your life. All you, you're no better than some dirt sheet guy. How dare you uh, say this about wrestling? I didn't come down on you like that. I just, I said, I know what you're doing, Dave. But it comes across a, a, as a little like hate watching. I get it. But at the same time, and maybe it goes back to what you're saying about the frustration. T-Bar's on social media, like, you know, arguing facts and, and making, try to make sense of this. Now, probably best, like somebody should get in his ear and say, listen, T-Bar, <laughs> I can't believe I just said that, but you know, T-Bar, maybe it's best you don't go on social media, but you know what? He's got to buy into this storyline somehow. And he's going to try to make it work. And it probably bothers him that, you know, he's getting he's he's trying his best to make it work. And then he's getting killed on social media. I get it. I get it, bully. I get if it. you were to if you were to take a blind poll of every single talent in the WWE and ask them, does this stuff make sense to you? <laughs> I'm sure the vote would be overwhelmingly no. Because the boys know. Wrestlers know yeah. they're the they're the they're the ones on the battlefield. They're the ones in the front lines. They're the soldiers that see. They're the ones in the middle of the ring. The generals see everything from thirty thousand feet. The soldiers are the ones feeling it. Hey everyone, this is Lisa Ann, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, The Lisa Ann Experience. This is my chance to share with you my experiences, past and present, including how I went from living in the fantasy world of adult films to talking fantasy sports on Sirius XM. Each week, I'll introduce you to some of the people I've met on my journey and invite friends on to help me read through the endless ridiculousness that lands in my inbox. New episodes are available every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app and Apple Podcasts. And let's bring in what is now like a smash hit on Vice TV, and that's Dark Side of the Ring, the executive producer. Guy who's been, you know, on this show many times, and it's always great talking to him. And, you know, we bring in Evan Husney. And first and foremost, Evan, congratulations on getting a third season with Vice. Hey, guys. Thanks so much. I really appreciate that. Thanks for having me back. Well, it's it's crazy because from that first episode that you had a screening of at StarCast to where we are now, I mean, you got to be super pleased about the way things are going with this series. Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, it's hard to imagine back then. I mean, I didn't even know at that point we would even have a series. I thought that would just be the one-off pilot and that would be it, <laughs> you know. So it was never guaranteed that it would be a full show, and so – to know by the end of next year or whatever we'll have done 30 of these things is just wild. Evan, uh, me and Dave were just talking before he came on the air, and he said you probably would not be able to disclose any of the episodes that you were doing. Is there? Can we find out anything about what's coming up in this season three? <laughs> yeah, well, we can talk about um, two of the episodes that there's been some chatter about. I mean, it's been really hard to keep – everything under wraps <laughs> that we've been finding. Um, uh, so, yeah, we can talk about a couple of them. Um, we can talk about the one that we I, – I can't remember if I mentioned it on this show before, but it was uh, the one episode we always wanted to do, and it was one we looked at for last season. Um, we uh, are going to be doing the story of the WCW event in North Korea. That was in 1995. Awesome. Kind of one of the wilder wrestling shows that's ever been put on because it's actually the largest attended wrestling event ever uh, in the world was in North Korea. So we're, we're kind of 
telling that whole story of how that event came to be, how there was a lot of close calls with the guys over there who were pretty much in over their heads, not knowing, you know, that they're in a dictatorship. But uh, it's it's a uh, it's going to be a pretty interesting episode for sure. Were you able to speak with anybody that was there, like Flair or the Steiners? Because I know they've told some, or, or Eric. Uh, I believe I heard some scuttlebutt about Eric possibly being on this season because um, they've told yeah. some real interesting stories in the past about the North Korea visit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Eric is in the Eric is the, is in the show. He's the one that spilled the beans. No, it's okay. It's cool. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> I thought you were in TV, bro. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no. Uh, oh wait, I, I thought I thought it was I thought it was kind of out there already. I no, thought I even heard. I, I thought I thought I heard him mention it also. Well, that's that's no, why. I'm just. I'm, <laughs> I'm just. I'm just uh, my my no, bad brother. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, no, no, yeah. The the stories that we've gotten from the guys that were over there, from Eric and just you know, and there's a very special person that's going to be in this episode. Uh, let me hold that one to my chest. But there is a very special person I just never would have imagined we would have been able to get for the show um, for this episode in particular, which is just really cool. And it's such a, yeah, like the stories, like, like, you know, cause everybody was separated when they, when they got over to North Korea, like a lot of people were broken up into pairs or they were broken off with their, you know, attaches and they had to kind of go on and, and they had their own kind of insulated adventures, you know, in this, in this, in this land. <laughs> and that's, what's really kind of, compelling about it and there's a lot of close calls i'm sure you've heard maybe scott norton's accounts of such things over there but yeah it's it's definitely going to be a pretty wild episode you you know uh evan and i think it's great that you're you're kind of keeping everything close to the chest here and not indulging like all the episodes because it's got people talking like all over social media last night and it's something that we're going to do here on busted open as well is like what stories you know what stories do you want to hear you know what what stories is it that you want to see in season three so it's really keeping that name out there and i think that that was a great decision not to you know announce what episodes you're going to have for season three well and not all of them are figured out mind you you know like and that's you know one of the main reasons why you know we're opening it up to fans and people who watch the show and you guys and you know tell us what you want to see and let's 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 like really look into it so so not not everything is set in stone i mean we've only started filming uh a little over a month ago so so this thing is uh, pretty much right out, right, in, right off the right off the bat here, um, and you know things are different. You know the, the environment to film a show is much different than it was before, and you know we're traveling the country in a, in, a uh, in an RV. You know driving the whole thing. We've already put six thousand miles on our RV. You know so it's been it's been pretty crazy. Now we're living the wrestler, you know the the wrestling life on the road while making the show. It's, it's pretty wild. Yeah, now all you have to do is stay on the road for another 300 days a year for about 15 years, and yeah. you'll be right there. Yeah, ex- exactly, exactly. That's, that's who, who knows? It might last that long. With the, with the popularity of the show, it might be doing it for 15 years. Evan, yeah. which episode, Evan, Evan, which episode of season two did you get the best feedback on? <clears throat> um, wow. Um, there's, you know, I think that, you know, the Chris Benoit episodes, I think, made made a pretty big splash i mean obviously the own heart episode you know was you know was really special for me um 
you know, but then again, like, you know, those being kind of the, the pillars of season two, you always get a lot of people talking about the new Jack episode and you get a lot of people talking about the Herb Abrams episode and, you know, kind of, I guess you could say the more wilder side of this, uh, you know, of the series uh, left an impression on people. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, those are kind of the ones I hear about the most. But then you have, you know, people who are really into Dino's and people who are really into David Schultz. And, you know, and, and that's and that's cool, too. The one thing that I found, you know, our, our boss, uh, you know, Mother Marissa, uh, my brother, uh, I was talking to a random uh, executive producer for the our NFL channel. And they all tuned into Dark Side of the Ring. They don't watch pro wrestling from week to week. And, and a lot of these people haven't watched pro wrestling in decades, but yet they tune into Dark Side of the Ring. Have you found that there's been a lot of viewers to your show that aren't necessarily pro wrestling fans right now? Yeah, and that's that's honestly my favorite compliment or comment on the show is when we hear from people that watch it and say, oh, you know, my significant other a family member, you know, sibling or whatever is now able to kind of enjoy this with me because, you know, they're able to understand more why I like this and see a more human side of it that hasn't been presented that much before. And, and that's just the coolest. That's just the coolest for us because that was always our intention. Our intention was always to show people a different side of wrestling, um, show a more human side, you know, sh- show you the real, like the real people behind this, this, this form of entertainment. Evan, other than uh, COVID, obviously, what was the most difficult part of filming season three? Well, I mean, we're right in the middle of it, and you know, well, COVID, so far, yeah, so far, so far, yeah. I mean, definitely that. I would say, you know, just in terms of like logistics and trying to get places quick enough and scheduling it, keeping our edit schedule, you know, uh, on track, you know, because we want to get this show out there, you know, as quickly as possible, but. COVID does make things more challenging and slower and you have to be much safer. And of course, you know, a lot of folks are letting us come to their homes or they're coming into a place where we are. So it's just, yeah, have to be super safe um, while we're making this. And that has proved to be probably the most challenging. Um, And, and of course the fact that, you know, all of us are in the office are working, you know, from home still, everyone's working remotely. So, you know, there's just challenges not being able to be in the same space, but we were dealing with this, at the end of season two, we were still working on, you know, season two into May, so or April and May. So we 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 already kind of knew what we were getting ourselves into a little bit on the back end. So, um, but yeah, just that that that's probably the hardest thing so far. But um, otherwise, everything's been pretty great. I mean, we've had a, we're, we're getting a lot of great guests, a lot of great interviews, um, and yeah, I mean, really, really. Evan, you still there? I think we lost. He's going to become I, one of his own episodes. I think. <laughs> I think we lost uh, Evan oh, Husney. I'm oh, here. you all right? Sorry, that's all right. Yeah, I'm I'm in a KOA, guys. I'm I'm in a KOA in Texas right now, so doing the best I can. Okay, better than being in Bayamon, Puerto Rico. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll I'll say this, Evan, and step me through it, and I and we'll, and we'll let you go in a couple of minutes because I know you, I know you're on the move. But, you know, step us through, like, all right, season two ends. It's a huge success. You're kind of waiting to hear about a season three. Do they throw at you, like, hey, how many episodes they, do you want to do? Or they tell you, we want 14 episodes. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because, we, you know, it was shortly after season two ended where we started talking about doing a third season. And obviously we had a lot of question marks about, you know, producing a show under these circumstances and things like that. 
And then when we kind of agreed to everything, everyone's on the same page. They're like, oh, yeah, by the way, we want 14 episodes. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I wasn't a lot, you know, 14 hours of producing the show. It's, it's a lot, you know. So at first I was like, oh, my God, can I do this physically? Um, but, uh, yeah, we're we're doing it. So it was definitely something they wanted. Well, Evan, I, I, I know time is short, so I appreciate the time that you get, you gave us. We're going to be talking about it, as we always do right here on Busted Open. If you need an episode, you can do one on Busted Open, because believe me, we've had some major ups and downs on this show. So that could be definitely an episode. Uh, but, Evan, thanks awesome. so much. And once again, congratulations on Season 3. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. I'll All right. Take care, man. Evan Husney, and he's on the go, man. He's 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 filming it now, dude. So imagine, like, you know, the first season, you get six. It's a no-brainer. I mean, I think, I think everyone could come up with six at the top of the head. And then you get season two. And then, you you know, again, there's probably a lot of episodes that people wanted to see. But now you're successful enough that you're now renewed for a third season, and you have to come up with 14 episodes. You could probably do it, but it's going to be a lot more difficult for sure, Bully. Are there 14 dark stories left in the world of pro wrestling that haven't been told? I think there's probably I think there's probably more than that. But you know, but at the same time, it's got it's got to be interesting enough. It's got to have a little bit of name value too. But you know what? One thing I, I, I think wanted... I think what you just said, the name value. Are there fourteen shows that actually have name value, like the the, the Brody or, or the Owen Hart or the Chris Benoit? But you know what? The one thing that Evan said, and and it, and I wasn't just saying it to say it. It's a hundred percent true. Like my brother was like, yeah, and I love. I get the I get the phone call from people that that aren't wrestling fans. So they'll be like, "Hey, man." Have you seen this Dark Side of the Ring show? And I'm like, yeah. We thanks for listening to my fucking show, asshole. Because we've only interviewed the executive producer a dozen times, and we talked. We've done shows on it. But then, you know, thanks for listening to my show, Don. But you know, I get like a phone call from my brother saying, "Hey, have you ever seen this Dark Side of the Ring?" And then he and then he talks about like. He just randomly fell upon it, and it was like the Dr. D. David Schultz episode. And he remembered from when we were kids, me watching that, and it just brought back a memory because my brother's not a wrestling fan, but then he started watching the other episodes. Mother Marissa, who is not really a wrestling fan, but obviously is falling into some of that because of our show, saw the episode with Kevin Von Erich, and she's like, you know, I know you guys had him on several times, but I really didn't know the story of the Von Erich family. I'm getting a lot of phone calls from that from people because it's like one of those shows. It's like NCIS or Law & Order. Like, all you need to do is watch a minute of it, and you're hooked. And I, and I totally agree. And listening to him say uh, that people who don't, traditionally watch pro wrestling like your brother you brought up or marissa who are very interested and intrigued by the show is probably the best compliment that uh that he could get um i think you've heard this before i know i've heard it people that are not necessarily wrestling fans actually tune into busted open just because they like the banter and it's be turned into like a fun morning show where we talk about enough other stuff 
you know, in conjunction with pro wrestling to keep them entertained. So when you can bring in that type of fan base, you know you're doing a good job because of your storytelling and because of your level of entertainment. And it is interesting because having Evan on, and it's great because we've had him on. We we started having Evan on when this was just an idea in his head. So it's been kind of cool, Bully, throughout the last few years, having him on and kind of going through the process with him of what is now a hit TV show. I believe it's the, you know, you're talking about the highest rated show on, on a channel. Kind of sounds familiar, but you know, you, you, you know, you're seeing the process of that go on. And I was interested because, you know, was that an idea from him or them? Like we want, Hey, we want 14 episodes. So now it came from like, we got all these ideas in our head. We can't wait to actually get it filmed. And now it's like, Oh shit. Now we gotta, we gotta come up with 14 episodes. So it's kind of interesting to see that whole idea evolve. Uh, the North Korea one, I'm very interested in hearing. I've heard some of the stories. I've heard stories one-on-one from a lot of the, the guys that were involved there. A show, as Evan said, that is the biggest wrestling show of all time. The biggest attendance for a wrestling show ever. And it's a show, Bully, that no one really talks about. It's, it's, it's kind of like a, a hidden gem, a forgotten treasure. And obviously a lot of the drama and the things that happened that week leading up uh, to the show. Um, I, I can't wait to see that episode of Dark Side of the Ring. For our fans who might not have known the story or heard of the story about the WCW show in North Korea, I would definitely go out of your way to watch that episode of Dark Side of the Ring. It is very, very interesting. I'm sure they'll do a great job, as they always do, with on Dark Side of telling the story. But going into a communist country like North Korea and basically having every second of every minute of every hour of your day monitored by security, police, uh, security cameras, microphones in your room being followed if you walk the streets. Yep. There are some crazy stories that I've heard uh, from some of the wrestlers that have been there, and I think it'll be really interesting for the majority of people who've never heard this story before to hear it for the first time. And, it's, you know, it's, it's nuts. It it's is crazy. crazy. It's crazy. And, and then it led to like this, this amazing show where it sounded like from people that, that uh, attended and from people that were actually in the ring that night that the fans – Really, a lot of the fans had no idea of what was going on in the matches as well. I, I don't think they had a choice of if they could be there or not. They were yes. told that they had to be there. So when you think of it, when you think of North Korea, you don't think of that as a traditional wrestling town. It's not like Bangor or Sheboygan. Yeah, man, you know, I was doing this shot in Pyongyang. <laughs> and, uh, you know... Um, <laughs> But 180,000, think about it, WrestleMania uh, in Texas, AT&T Stadium, 101,000. North Korea was 180,000. Think about that, 79,000 people more than what we saw at the biggest WrestleMania of all time. Crazy. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to go out of my way to watch it. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. 
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.